Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. My name is Micah Keneally, and I'm joined today right here next to me by my wonderful husband, Josiah, and co-host. And Josiah, would you like to introduce our wonderful guest today? For sure. We're having fun in the studio right now. And we're here in season two. We're loving every minute of this Young Adults Today podcast. We're hearing great feedback. And today we're joined by one of the veteran leaders in the context of young adult ministry across the country in terms of the local church. Pastor Randy Jumper serves as the young adult pastor at First Assembly in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Next Young Adults is a place where young adults in North Little Rock can come together for a weekly service and grow in Christ together. So Randy, first of all, I just have to say thank you so much for your faithfulness, your consistency, your longevity, your model of leadership. But also there's a Facebook group where at this time, 400 some young adult pastors from across the country are a part of. And you are the most encouraging person in that group or one of them. And and why I say that is there was somebody who recently started a ministry and they said, hey, will you pray? And you even live streamed at your weekly gathering, at Unite, at Next Young Adults, you recorded the prayer and sent it to him, posted it on his Facebook wall. And I was just really moved by that, really encouraged. And so thanks for your model of leadership and your willingness to spend some time today with our listeners. Hey, I'm excited to be a part of it. I love young adult ministry, love what you're doing. I'm thankful that uh, God seems to be moving through the two of you to encourage people and lift them up as well as seeing a whole generation come to Christ. Um, We say around here a lot that we believe this is the generation that will usher in the kingdom of God coming in, uh, not because of any sort of weird theology, just we believe in this group of people Mm -hmm. and unlocked potential there. And so I just want to say thank you. And to all of the listeners who are listening, who uh, are slaving, knocking it out, uh, trying to reach young adults and something that is not necessarily on the front lines of everyone's imagination. Uh, everybody wanted to be a missionary, a pastor, a youth pastor growing up. Nobody's wanted to be a young adult pastor when they grew up because they'd never heard of it. So uh, the fact that you're listening to this podcast out there, I just want to say thanks to you. Uh, whether you're a small town, big town, college campus, or what, just know you are, uh, you're fulfilling the kingdom of God's mission, and I'm excited to be able just to come alongside and cheer for you for that. That's awesome. See, he's already encouraging us, and we haven't even asked the very first question. Let's go. This is going to be great. So, Randy, we want to get to know you as well as our audience, so would you mind telling us your story and of your ministry journey? Sure. Um, I'm here in Arkansas, North Little Rock. Uh, Behind me, actually on the wall, is my grandfather's ordination certificate from the 1940s. Um, I'm from Arkansas, and so um, some of the God people listening to this, this is where the AG began. I'm fourth-generation Pentecostal, fourth-generation Pentecostal minister. We skipped a generation, but about five years ago, my dad went back and got his credentials, so he filled in the gap finally, but (laughs) <laughs> been in church life and church ministry. Um, we're from the South, so anointing is gauged by volume. And so the louder you are, the more anointed you are. And the longer you preach, the better you are. So growing up, those are my models. Um, 
went into ministry, Bible school, those kind of things. I was traveling and preaching. Um, I really didn't like students, youth group kids. They drove me nuts. And so I didn't want to be a youth pastor. I thought I was a good preacher. So that gave me the title evangelist because I was traveling around speaking. So I was an evangelist. Truth is, I preached a lot. Very few people got saved. So I don't think I was actually an evangelist. And uh, worked through all that, went to grad school, seminary, those things, was really sensed that I probably was going to do missions um, or teach in a Bible school. Uh, was working in student development at that point at Evangel University as well, and just really resonated with college ministry and young adults. Um, and maybe how I got into young adult ministry, specifically college ministry, um, I had a great friend named Earl Kreps. Uh, Earl was a close friend of mine and uh, kind of an early precursor to your Facebook group, because this was before groups were around. There was a list serve. Some of you don't know what that is. And if you can, you can go look it up in Facebook. A list serve was where you sent an email to one address and it populated to multiple addresses. And there was a postmodern Pentecostal leaders group. And what instead of messaging on Facebook, we'd send one email and it would send to everybody in the group and you replied back that way. It was horribly um, difficult to manage, but we were part of that. And so by that point, we started encouraging and mentoring college students and young adults. And so um, in Springfield at that point, I was helping a guy named David uh, start a college ministry back at Central Assembly. And we built that from the ground up. And then Earl and I would travel to different districts and we spoke at district events and activities, just encouraging people to target 20 somethings, which hadn't been done. We're in Pendell and Florida and California, multiple places. Ended up here in Arkansas, my home district, speaking at an event. And I spoke at district council on a morning session about this, didn't realize uh, I was at North Rock First Assembly. They were hosting it. Uh, Rod Loy was our pastor. He called in the staff to the back of the room. I had no idea, but I was trying out as young adult pastor while I was speaking to district council. I walked off the stage and he said, Randy, you should come help us do that here. I said, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. Walked out and didn't even think about it. Then 48 hours later, uh, he offered us and said, quit telling districts how to do it, come do it in a local church. And so that was 16 years ago, officially this wow. summer. Wow. And so I, I jokingly say since 1993, I've been in college or in college ministry. <laughs> um, about 10 years ago, that was cool because I was like, man, I'm experienced. Now it just means I'm freaking old. And so... Um, <laughs> My daughter is a high school senior, and um, I have filled out a FAFSA form for someone whose parents weren't engaged in their life or myself every year since 1993. So this year, I filled it out for my daughter, and it was sort of discouraging. So uh, anyway, so that's my story and how I got into young adult ministry. Well, and we have met your uh, pastor, Rod Loy, at some district events in Minnesota, and he wrote a book called Immediate Obedience. Mm -hmm. I picked it up, and I read it once, 
And it, it really rocked me to my core. And I think that along the journey of ministering to young adults, that's been one of the books that isn't about young adult ministry. It's just responding to God's voice. And um, so we just have a great respect for you, Randy, for your pastor and for the church that you're at. And, you know, let me ask you this. Sometimes this is not good or bad, but we see um, leaders where young adult ministry is a starting stone or it's a stepping stone to get their resume built and to get their career started. And eventually they land into another ministry assignment, a missionary, um, a lead pastor, an executive pastor. And that's just a fact. It's not right or wrong statement for or against. But I noticed that you've been at your church for 16 years leading young adult ministry. And even like you said, since 1993, doing college and young adult ministry, what has kept you going all these years? Kept me going. Um, young adults. That's what's kept me going. Because no matter how old I get it, there's another, there's another graduating class of high school seniors who need to know that God believes in them and that he has a plan and a future for them. So right now what drives me, even at this point, um, sometimes late nights hanging out with 20-somethings who won't leave my office at 1045 at night. And I'm thinking, I used to love this. And now I'm like, I'm asleep while they're still talking. <laughs> the old dude, um, it's because they matter. Mm -hmm. Those kids matter to me. They're not just, uh, they're not just people that fill my seats. They're my, they're my people. And so um, until God moves my heart there, I don't have a choice. Uh, this morning on the Facebook page, I was reading, there's a discussion going back and I posted today. Uh, Marvin was talking about service times or whatever. And I, I've kind of think this way, I'm just going to kind of restate what I told him. Uh, my ministry calling is without repentance. That's, that's what scripture tells me. My calling, that's not up to me. That, that's, that's God. My call, is, it doesn't change. My ministry assignment, that's dynamic. Um, my calling is, is solid. Everybody's call is the same. People make calling way too difficult. My calling is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, I would paraphrase that and call it be a lifelong follower of Jesus. Yeah. My calling is to help other people become lifelong followers of Jesus. Those two things, they never change. The, the, whether it's old people, young people, whether it's black people, white people, whether it's people in the U.S. or people in Canada or people in Asia, those two things, they never change. The calling doesn't. Now, my assignment, it can shift. And so um, I can be doing ministry with others. At the same time, my strategy of how I do those things, I kind of hold loose in my hand. Mm -hmm. my calling doesn't change. My assignment's dynamic. My strategy's loose. So in 16 years at First Assembly, we have changed so many things because strategy is loose. The problem with most of us is if we're not careful, we start getting our self-worth and our identity for our creative strategies. So we're in love with a service or we're in love with a small group or we're in love with an idea could be even a great things. These are wonderful, God-given, orchestrated things. But my identity is in my calling in the one who called me, mm -hmm. not my assignment or my strategy. And so um, I think 
looking back at the people that I've interacted with from maybe this isn't negative in any sense, but it's, it's a reality. I think a lot of people when they're in their mid twenties are drawn to ministry to people in their mid twenties because they're, it's easy. They've already got some built in infrastructure. They've got like interests. And so it makes sense, but more importantly, they have needs. So they're, they're lacking community and they've got some drive and initiative and spirit empowerment. So what do they do? They start a small group. Uh, they don't, uh, they don't really resonate with worship styles of their main service or main leadership. They've got some music gifts or friends. So what do they do? They start a service with their own music styles, gifts, and centers. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, God uses those and that's wonderful and it's exciting. But if you're not careful, if you're need based only, not not calling based and not assignment based. If you're need based, what happens when your needs change? And then what happens is that strong leadership core suddenly now has kids. And so what they feel now is a need is they want to establish uh, ministry to young families. And so they're going to move there. Now, some of that's natural progression. Mm -hmm. But your question to me was, how did I stay going? And how did I not go up? Because for me, um, while I was influenced by my desire to meet my peers' needs, my assignment has been young adults, not the need for my personal growth. Um, I, I don't minister to this generation because I want to be like this generation. Mm -hmm. I minister to this generation because God's given me that assignment. And it's not on them to change. It's on me to change to match them and meet them. And so um, is there anything wrong with uh, the laboratory workshop, young adults? And there's some of you out there that in two years, you're going to be pastoring a church or you're going to be a missionary. No, this is great. Use this, leverage this, allow God to speak to you and guide you. Learn. I'd rather you screw up now in leadership moments where you have a, a covering of other yeah. leaders Learn your mistakes, learn that, learn those things there. But um, I think there's a couple of people, you may be out there and you may be hearing us talk and you think, well, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. At some point I'm going to have to grow up and be a real pastor or I might be a real leader or maybe you're volunteering and you're just leading a small group of young adults. You're not getting paid and you're like, your, your identity might be wrapped up on that day that you can draw a paycheck where there's a first blank assembly of God who writes it. I would tell you, crucify that desire for validation in your, in your work. Let your validation come and your assignment come from the Lord. And it could be that the young adult group that you're leading of 11, 20 somethings who change every five years because college students change every five years is the assignment God wants you to grow. So you'll, you'll never have a group of 50 to 500 people. But if you, if you have 11 different people for 20 years, then you have a greater impact than that person who's leading a service of 200 for three years and fizzles out. Uh, take the long look, not the short look. Right. I think it's a great challenge and tension that young adults, whether they're 20 something leading the church or early thirties to learn how to manage early on and to be in, um, I know I grew up in a, a safe church where it's like, if we had an idea, we'll run with it. And if it fails, it's okay. And then we're going to discuss that. If it's successful, we're going to discuss that, but either way, we're going to give God the glory and we're going to understand our calling. We're going to understand our lane and we're not going to be jumping lanes to compete and compare with those around us. 
And um, Pastor Randy, we know that without uh, vision, the people perish, right? Without direction, they perish. Will you share the vision you have for your ministry and also um, the ministry programming, like what that looks like at North uh, Little Rock? Sure. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a, maybe just a little bit different approach than some of the other folks who've shared on podcasts before. And this might be a little bit different. And so you've got to contextualize what I'm about to say to whatever your environment is. So I'm going to describe us and please do not get a piece of paper and write down what I say and then walk into your lead pastor and say, this is what we're supposed to do. If you do that, you're screwing up. What you're doing is you're poaching my vision and not getting one from God. And so don't do that if you're listening. At the same time, let it speak to it and inform it. Um, and when I say this, I'm going to sound, it may, you guys listen carefully, listen all the way through before you just dismiss me. I have no vision for the young adult ministry at First Assembly. It's not my responsibility to come up with a vision for young adult ministry at First Assembly. I do have an assignment, and the assignment is lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. We're building lifelong followers. And because I'm part of an overall church, because I'm part of First Assembly, my vision is assigned by the overall church. That's good. And if I have a different vision than what First Assembly has, then I am channeling a spirit of rebellion that while in good sense and concept, people are, it's the seedlings of forests of rebellions if I'm cross purposes with the overall church. Now, I know what your question was, Michael. What do I want to see happen with our young adults? Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I want to push back on the language a bit because if, you're, if we're not careful as young adult leaders, Young adult ministry is different from student ministry. What I mean by that is youth group kids come because their parents, for the most part, bring them and they're, and they're programmed and modeled all around the existing church structures. Young adults have a little more disposable income. They have transportation and they have random schedules. And if I'm not careful, I can create a parallel line or an ancillary line to what's happening at First Assembly in general. And that's how stress happens. That's how jealousy happens. And that's how conflict happens in young adult ministry. So my vision for young adult ministry is that my young adults are lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, fully committed and connected to the local church. Now, I know you guys work with Chi Alpha and Chi Alpha groups are there. And we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure at some point. But um, for us, everything revolves around the local church. Everything revolves around the fact that Hey, I'm here 16 years. Just this week, I'm going to change. And by the way, I'm going to tell a bunch of stories as I can today. I'm changing the names of people because I know a bunch of mine are going to listen to this. <laughs> I didn't get anybody's permission, but uh, Karen and Keith called me uh, two nights ago uh, at 10:45 at night. They're a young married couple. They've got a brand new baby. She's in her mid thirties. He's 31. They were original members 16 years ago of my young adult group and my leadership team. Amazing people, but they were, they were on their way to the emergency room. They were, there's a crisis. They called me. Well, we didn't get out of the bed and say, I'm sorry, you're no longer young adults. You need to call this person. We're doing life with those people. We're with them. We, we work with them. Well, I, I want her to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. I want him to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want their kid to be a lifelong follower of Jesus yeah. Christ. 
So if I had siloed my ministry mm-hmm. and ran parallel, there's a chance they wouldn't be involved today. But today she's leading worship in our main service at times. So um, I, that's my mission there. Now, as far as programming strategy, um, I hold loosely to strategy. Um, over 16 years, we've tried everything you, you can think of on every day of the week and almost every time. Uh, case in point, um, we have a women's small group that meets, and they came to me and they said, Pastor Andy, we want to have our Bible study small group Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. in downtown. I said, well, it's never going to work. They said, no. What do you think? I said, no. Young adults, 20-somethings, do not get up before 8.45 on any level, much less Saturday. It's true. It won't work. They, it won't work. Um, you know, they're our most successful group right now. There are four, 10 to 14 girls who get up and they meet. They've got a sense of community. They've got a sense of whatever. I thought it was a stupid idea. Uh, but it works. Will it work forever? Absolutely not. So our general structure is we have a Wednesday night. Uh, gathering. We chose Wednesday night because we were having a hard time bridging high school graduates to our young adult ministry. They naturally came on Wednesday nights for youth groups. So it was sort of, we were attempting a natural progression point. Um, We have, we're in the South, so we still have Sunday school and people actually still go to it. So, uh, and we're a 106 year old church. So we've been around a long time. So we got a big building with a bunch of rooms. Mm -hmm. So we have two classes on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for young adults. We call one transitions, which is high school seniors Mm -hmm. through, we say junior, we say college age, but the truth is uh, a junior in college has more in common with a 26 year old than they do an 18 year old. For sure. Yeah. We're going to talk about that maybe in a minute on strategy and stage of life. So I start losing college kids at about their junior year, second semester. They migrate over to a group we call young professionals. Um, and our yo, our yo pros, as they call themselves, uh, do their activities and events. They have that. Plus, we have small groups that meet throughout the week. Almost every day, there's one meeting somewhere uh, doing something. They're mostly gender-based in our group it just seems to work for us and then we have a young couples one then we have a ministry two young couples called together and they meet a couple times a year for training and interaction and then they do fun stuff and eating and hanging out those kind of things almost each one of those groups has uh, their own sort of activities and programming so this sunday it's uh it's mid-November, and if you're a college or college leader, just know November is the highest depression and suicide rate among college students across the country. November is the month where you're going to have the most counseling appointments, stress, people are freaking out, and it has everything to do with the fact that it's November and nothing to do with their life stage, So uh, our situation. So we're having grilled chicken and salad Sunday. So all my college kids have been eating crappy food for weeks. So we're doing grilled chicken, salad, water, and fruit. That's what we're doing. So we're just trying to model healthy living through this dark, depressing time. So that's them. But then young professionals last Friday night went to some event. They did something together. Last night, we had a Elevation Worship Conference that was here, a concert. People paid astronomical amounts of money to go to a concert. 
and worship when makes no sense to me, but we had about 30 of them who went to that last night. So we do the activities and events as they come up. So big outreach this week, Wednesday night, we had at our service. And so that's, that's a little overview. I don't know if that answered the question, but that's kind of what we do. That's good. Randy, that's so helpful. And I love the angle that you took it of just coming under the authority and the anchor of leadership of your lead pastor and the church that God has already given a vision to and really being an extension of that vision to the next generation. And I think that we would do well to, for those of us who are in local church settings, to really, <clears throat> you know, I, I love how you even push back against the language of our question. Um, I, I really respect that. And I think that there's so many takeaways. And my key takeaway is that we would have a vision for young adults that outlasts the season of life of young adulthood, that they would become fully devoted followers of Jesus, that when they're married, when they have kids, when they're grandparents, for crying out loud, they better have a passion for Jesus, for the local church, for their neighbors, um, for their assignment, for their calling, which is to love people and love God and just be his, you know, Jesus' hands and feet. And so, Randy, segueing into just a section that we're calling wisdom, insight, and advice, we want to draw on your experience um, for the next little bit. And what changes have you observed in the landscape and scope of young adult ministry during your tenure of leadership? You've, you've mentioned that, you know, 16 years at the same church, You've mentioned that you guys have tried every night of the week, every time of the day, uh, lots of different varieties of programming. But what have you observed even more recently in the changes of, of the next generation? Um, I think, uh, let me answer that question twofold. I think that specifically targeting my young adults right now, um, I where I'm at resonates with what the literature and the experts are telling us comparatively now versus before Gen Xers were depressed and discouraged and mad and angry. And, uh, <laughs> at the same time, but that, that's just what they were. Millennials were, um, optimistic until nine 11 and, um, really marred from there. Um, I, what I'm sensing now with my, my gens ears or next gens or whatever label you want to put on them. I agree. The anxiety and worry and fear component um, is deal. I would, if I was writing books, I would call this the medicated generation. Um, I know it, when I first started doing counseling with young adults, about halfway through the conversation, I would say something along the lines of, have you seen a counselor? Are you, are you taking any medication, etc.?" cetera? Um, and about, half of the females two-thirds of them would have said yes probably more half um, only about one in ten guys would have said that uh, now it's the lead question I have in everyone and I would encourage you just as an insight piece if you're doing any sort of pastoral care counseling for someone like that your first question is who else are you talking to what's your doctor saying could I because now I'm upwards of two-thirds to nine out of 10 women by the time they come and talk to me are on some form of pill that is helping them regulate their emotional area. They'll always say it's something to do to reproductive issues. 
but the truth is their doctors are trying to level out their emotions. I mean, I just being at this point in life, I just asked the question. Um, the biggest shocking surprise to me is the rise of guys who are now medicated for their emotions as well. It's become normal um, and accepted that you're taking something because you have stress and anxiety. Uh, which means if you don't know that, if you don't have that tool in your tool belt when you're counseling, you're going to screw people up because you're going to give them cross purposes advice uh, because their, their issue, uh, I met with a student or a young adult last week and she's going through depression, yada, yada, yada. She's in this whole story. I said, so tell me what you're taking. Well, she's taking seven medications and, and that's not uncommon. That's, that's pretty realistic. Well, she's got a cold, so she's taking an antibiotic. It's a heavy antibiotic. Guess what that antibiotic is countermanding? It's working against right. her, her, her birth control and her uh, other stuff for depression. So, of course, she's depressed because her medicine isn't working anymore. Right. So, she's, it's not that she's she's not going through anything worse now than she was five weeks ago. It's mm -hmm. that the medication she was taking five weeks ago is not working right now. That's a different answer. Mm -hmm. that, that's a different answer. And so uh, that's probably, I would say one of the biggest shifts, the proverbial question is what is a young adult? I know you guys have answered that question about 14 different times and 14 different podcasts. Um, and for me, I look at young adulthood as a stage of life rather than an age of life. Mm -hmm. um, we have a military base here, so I got a lot of Air Force guys and girls. Those 22 and 23-year-old um, airmen who've just come back from Iraq have virtually nothing in common with the 22-year-old college students that they sit in class with. Right. I believe it. They've taken life. They've risked life. They have processed stuff. So they actually have way more in common with the 27 and 28 year olds. Um, forcing them to fit a category by age is, is tough. The 23 year old uh, couple that's got married young and has a kid already, they, they've got more in common with those 30 somethings than they do their questions about life and their relational connections are there. So, um, I tend to try to target stage of life more than I do age of life um, and try to put people in those sort of situations together. Uh, that's also a difference. When I got started in this, if you were 18 to 35, you were a young adult, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, I mean, no offense if you're 34 and single on here. I don't mean this in any way, but you don't have anything in common with a 19 year old and single other than you're not married. Right. And that's not enough. Uh, another changing landscape for us personally, we're working through here. And so since this is practical insight, maybe another negative you got to work through is we are facing incredible scrutiny right now and under from our insurance and our liability issues. Uh, in that, so just for a second, a 31 and a 32 year old in the same room with an 18 year old, um, there are significant areas of concern and issues there. Uh, we invite high school seniors up to our programming. So we're trying to bridge that gap. So 
it's possible on my retreat that I'll have a 17 year old in the same area as a 32, 33 year old. Um, you know, you can't do that legally. Now. Like the, you, you can, I mean, physically you can do it, but you put them in the same, you know, camp dorm room at the district campgrounds and something horrible happens. Uh, you put that 17 year old, you are now liable for that. You've put a minor with an adult and, uh, that is changing how we do things here. Uh, even our service, um, attorneys and rich hammer, those guys are saying, Hey, you have a young adult service. You have a youth service and you have a background check to that 33, 4, 34 year old who's there, even workers. Those are things I never thought about 20 years ago. I just was trying to get as many pop, pop people as I can. Um, just recent in the last year we've had two issues where that has been an issue two situations where an older young adult uh had a romantic relationship with a 18 or 19 year old and um yeah that's mm -hmm. that's tough that's that's something i've never had to deal with as bad as it is now so right yeah just things through Randy, I think that's great insight because we do need to be aware of all those different things. I yeah. know we have friends that are, um, they're surgeons, they're in the medical field, they're a married couple, and they would agree with that statistic that you shared, nine out of 10 individuals who come into the ER or come into the hospital are on some form of antidepressant or something that helps emotionally, hormonally balance all those different things that they're dealing with. And yeah, it's an unfortunate statistic, but it's a fact. And, sorry, and if I can just add to that, that the people listening to this podcast, we are not the medical professional. We partner with them. We are not the psychological professional um, or the mental health expert. But where our role can shine and thrive is the spiritual component of life. Mental beings, spiritual beings, physical beings, mm -hmm. um, relational beings, and where we can help best. And, and this should be freeing for listeners that you're a pastor, you're a spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. So helping connect people to Jesus, prayer, scripture reading, these things are where we're expertly trained and ordained or licensed in. And similarly, like the relational community that can come alongside through a local church. Um, those are things that can partner. And then we similarly, as we wouldn't treat a broken leg as right. a pastor, we're not going to treat you know, we're going to partner with a medical professional and mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, really see ourselves as caregivers on the spiritual side. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, we here have dropped our language and I would encourage everybody listening. I don't do counseling anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we've dropped the terminology. Sometimes it works its way in, like I just said it, but I don't do premarital counseling. I don't do uh, just counseling. People say, is there, can you do counseling? My answer is no. Now I'm more than happy to give you spiritual advice. Right. More, more than happy to comment on uh, your relationship with the Lord and how you approach life, which it's a thin line of whether that's counseling or not, but by technical definition, I am not a licensed counselor. Yep. I had six hours in Bible school of something and I got a C in it, I think. <laughs> I really you what to do uh, so i don't use that terminology and i would encourage all of you first of all free yourself from the stress or pressure that you got to solve people's problems and never 
ever under any circumstances contradict a medical professional's advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't do it because if if you're wrong, uh, it's your bad. And so we we don't do that. I always I, I provide. I'm happy to give you spiritual advice, but I don't give counseling because I'm not supposed to counsel. Uh, just like you said, I wouldn't set your broken leg, but. I could get you to the emergency room to do that. And that's, you got to remember that young adult leadership. But the problem is guys, we feel good when people come to us for, with their problems, like come to me, I'm going to solve your stuff and you need me in your life. Well, that you got to get over that. You got to get over the desire to be the one talk, the talking head. So. And that's where we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded and we need to be reminding our students that I am not God. I am not the Holy Spirit, but I can point you in that direction, right? And Randy, I'm sure that you've seen tons, hundreds of stories, people, conversations, all those different things. But now in this new day and age in which we live, what advice do you have for the person who is literally just starting out? And what do you wish somebody would have told you 20 years ago? Sure. That's a great thought. i tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I think I referenced before this started. I've had an email that we used to send out from on how to start a young adult ministry. Let me go back and I'll resend you that because there's some specific things. And I think sometimes you put stuff in the podcast notes or. Yes. Yep. That'd be that's, fantastic. Uh, that's, that's more nuts and bolts kind of stuff. Like what, like if I were to start next Friday, what would I do? That's nuts and bolts. Um, if I had to talk big picture just for a moment, um, I think there's a couple things um, that I wish I had done when I started out. First, I'd, I'd give the ministry away rather than controlling it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty cocky in the beginning that I was gifted and talented and that my gifts and my talents were going to drive it. When I think a better view of the kingdom is the collective gifts and talents drive the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I can drive the bus to use Jim Collins language as the leader, but I don't want a bus. I want a kingdom. And so we need the whole group, all of us working together. Um, And if, if the, if the young adult ministry in your local church rises and falls just on you, like if you stop today and it wouldn't exist anymore, then you've failed as a leader because the truth is young adulthood is transitory. So if you're a young adult and you're a young adult leader, if you left and there wouldn't be anything perpetual, then part you've let you failed. You haven't set up sort of plan. I mean this with confidence. Mm-hmm. I could walk away tomorrow with, with the ministry at next with the ministry at unite be the same. Of course not. I have a huge impact, but it would still happen. Like it would still move forward. There would still be life change taking place. Somebody else. I am not indispensable. I'm not Jesus. I got to give it away and got to empower leaders. I I used to be really controlling. Um, Now what I've moved from controlling to what I call influencing. I don't control every decision in every group, but I, as the leader, I influence what my other leaders are doing. I'd give the ministry away. Uh, secondly, we've already said it, I'd build lifelong followers. And by lifelong followers, I would mean find a way to integrate and stay connected to the overall church. Some of my favorite things we've done in the past, I make my young adult leadership team attend our senior adult activities. It's required for leadership. So a couple times over the course of years, we've got one coming up in a few weeks. 
our old people have their own little Sunday school class. When I say little, I mean, there's 120 of them. They have this great deal. They sing old hymns none of our kids have ever heard of. They teach class out of the quarterly. It's everything. It's old school AG because they're old. <laughs> so our crew will show up. They'll have sausage biscuits for their, they'll, we'll feed them. We'll interact with them and we'll place a young adult at every one of their tables. And then I'll take the stage and then I'll say, Something to the effect. I mean, I've got it memorized. I'll say, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt your class today, but because you've given and faithfully prayed and supported young adult ministry in our local church, I just want to tell you thank you. Our students or young adults are here to say thank you. And I'm grateful that I'm at a church where people of one generation don't stop or fight another generation from experiencing Jesus. I know you don't come to our services, but I just want to introduce you to, here's Tyler. Tyler was selling drugs two years ago. Tyler came to our Unite service. Sorry, because people matter. Tyler was saved and trans changed his life. He's been here now for weeks, and it wouldn't have happened unless you gave. Our old people cheer. We got a guy standing on the stage with ripped up jeans and tattoos everywhere. He's the exact opposite. Those people are afraid of him when they run into him in the mall. But he's standing up there and he cheers. And then I finish and I say, I know some of you have grandkids and some of you have great grandkids. And your prayer is that someone will share Jesus with them. Let's do it for the young adults in our community. And then we'll pray that God will bless the harvest of your investment will be someone will do it wherever your child or grandchild is somewhere else. And they clap. And our old people give us massive rooms of space to do crazy stuff. Uh, because I'm building lifelong followers. Um, in church, where if we talk about closing the back door, people come in the front door and then they leave on the back door. I think we as young adult leaders have blasted youth pastors for the last 20 years that say two thirds of all high school students drop out of church one or two years after they go. So we got to build young adult ministry. Um, I'm really good friends with Chi Alpha leadership, really close to them, spoken at SALTS, done all that stuff, but the statistics for campus ministry are worse than they are youth ministry. Mm. I don't care if your Chi Alpha group runs 500 in its service. If three years after graduation, those kids aren't attending church somewhere and practicing their faith, you've failed. Um, it, my biggest frustration is the loss on the back end of young adult ministry. Um, after they move into the overall life of the church, how are they practicing their faith? And it's that concept of building lifelong followers. I think that's important. I think, uh, I think we talked about fitting the ministry inside the local church. I think that's important. Um, and I would just encourage you a little bit and then I'll, I'll shut up. Um, the pursuit of pop culture ministry is a trap of the enemy. Um, I've been around this long enough to see every clothing trend in young adult ministry, meaning uh, I've seen the polo shirts with the logo stage. I've seen the fancy uh, shirts that you fold the cuffs up and there's a different print on the cuff than the shirt. I've been through the uh, buckle stage where we have big embroidered crosses all over our stuff and boots, even though we're not from Texas. I've been to the uh, 
Florals. <laughs> florals, yes. I've been through the floral stage. I've been through the uh, short bill hat stage. I've been through the urban pop stage. I've been through the ripped up jeans stage. I've been through the We Need a Full Worship band and laser lights around the room. I've been through the turn all the lights off and light a candle and have one guy on a guitar who hadn't shaved in six weeks or bathe stage of worship. I've been through Hillsong worship. I've been through Elevation worship. I've been through it all. All those are great and they're appropriate. But if that's what you're chasing for relevance, then you're just going to wear yourself out. Mm -hmm. um, leverage your personalities and your styles, but don't chase pop culture pieces. Of course, everybody wants to play Kanye this week in their services. Of course, we're all making fun of Chick-fil-A. Of course, we're doing it. And we should. Let's leverage it. Let's use it. But um, let's also remember that Christ calls us to cross-cultural ministry that we're to cut against the grain just a little bit. Uh, there's a Pentecostal philosopher named James K. Smith, uh, former AG guy. He's really, really cool. He talks about the rise of secularity right now and that the rise of the nuns and all these people for the first time, it's boomeranging. So his quote that I love, what happens when a doubter doubts? Um, and we have a generation of people who are doubt who are doubters, and now they are doubting their doubt, which means if you doubt your doubt, you believe. And uh, as we as Pentecostals specifically, we have we've got the market on the experience. Um, this current crop of young adults, what's their entertainment choices? We're the Harry Potter generation. We're the uh, Marvel, DC, mm -hmm. fantasy. Uh, Game of Thrones, the whole bigger than life, supernatural. This generation doesn't have a problem with believing the fanciful and the crazy. Let's just give them what's good crazy, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Let's be unashamedly. Let's let's cut the thing. You want a Game of Thrones? I'm sort of the king of kings. I don't have to watch the stupid show. I know who wins in the end. I, th these kinds of concepts, I think, really, really work. Um, I think our culture is helping us here. If I were to, what would I do right now to cross that cultural grain? Um, I wouldn't make social justice issues my platform, but I would leverage the biblical approach to those issues. Uh, right now, um, and I'll, I'll give you a concept where we're at, an insight. Uh, we're in the South. We're heavily influenced by a lot of the argument in the church culture about women in ministry right now. Uh, a lot of our churches in our community a lot are real have, they've done big things about it so you know what I do I I've had as many women as I possibly can speak I want I'm making public statements I'm showing what we do and who we are as an alternative across culture racial tension is an all-time high so we lean into it we we lean into the tension and we show what God says about those things and so we've been blessed we have a multiracial group in the south we're one of the few places where uh, our church is integrated so we lean into it that that's the what i'm talking about I'm, i don't think you ignore the trends in culture but you don't make chasing them there because if you're if you do that uh you're not careful but let me go back and say it. i had a short build hat 
I had an embroidered shirt. I had a polo shirt. I had the ripped jeans and I even had those stupid flipped up collar thing. I never owned a floral plant print. I'll just tell you, they were stupid looking. That we but know of. That we that know, you know of. And I'm willing to admit. <laughs> so I'm not saying ignore those things, but those are not the levers that grow your ministry. It's not a worship style. Jesus can move with the, the dude with the guitar and a candle as much as he can do with the laser lights. Mm -hmm. uh, that would it. I think the last bit of advice, this is off the cuff, is, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's shaking his head for the listeners. <laughs> buckle wouldn't be, the buckle wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for Baptist youth pastors. But um, <laughs> um, I think sometimes we become in love with authenticity and relevance. And when I say that, there's nothing wrong and everything right about being authentic and real and relevant. But when they become tools we use, that it, then what we're able to do is actually come up with modes to do it rather than being it. So you can be unplanned and spontaneous and unorganized and call that authenticity. Well, we're just being authentic. We're gonna, we're gonna, things are going to mess up. Well, really, sure, that happens. But if that means you didn't plan anything, then you're not being authentic. You're being lazy. Mm -hmm. if, if, you, if your stuff isn't working or your sermon doesn't make any sense, that's not you being real. That's, that's you not being obedient to the Spirit of God to plan and prepare. Mm -hmm. A lack of excellence does not equate with spirit empowerment. Um, now, that doesn't mean you have to do everything uber programmed and organized but i think sometimes especially in young adult world there's nothing wrong with spontaneous and rough but if if rough is your strategy you might just be lazy mm -hmm. but that's neither here nor there let's keep moving Brittany, that <clears throat> i love um was just doodling and taking notes and soaking in what you said and i pulled out three different areas of truth of just maybe things you wish you would have known 20 years ago or advice for people starting out. And I'll just kind of bullet point these three things. The first is just being intergenerational and closing the generational gaps and not siloing a young adult ministry, but really seeing young adults in every aspect of kids work and worship team and hospitality and coffee and ushers and greeters and preaching and volunteering and parking lots and you name it, but just even mixing it up with the old and the young and, and feeding off the insight and wisdom mm -hmm. of the older, but leveraging the passion and the energy of the younger. And I think that we would do well in every setting to paint pictures of the kingdom of God that are cross-cultural and intergenerational and every age and every stage. And then young adults begin to see themselves a part of the kingdom, a part of the body. And as far as cross-cultural ministry, just embracing the now, but not being ignorant mm -hmm. to trends, but not just simply having our, our primary strategy, riding the wave of the culture, mm -hmm. but just being present in the culture. And the last one you said was social justice. And I think that there is a generation that's longing to see needs met. And so what if as the church, we came alongside the needs in our community, in our communities and around the world and just met needs. And I think that that would really resonate well and giving young adults an opportunity mm -hmm. to be involved beyond their stage of life, beyond their age, but 
being a part of the kingdom of God. So those are some great thoughts and it's fun to draw on your wisdom and insight. And we, if you're up for it, we should probably jump into the final thoughts of five questions in five minutes. Sure. Let me give you one Bible verse because I didn't do it and I need to. Acts 2.17, we quote as Pentecostals, especially as we're young leaders. Uh, it says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on, on both men and women. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So core conviction of me. Um, if all we have is young men and women in our church, we'll never dream dreams. And if all we have is old people in our church, we'll never see visions. And I, I don't know how to parse that completely, but I might suggest to some of you in young adult ministry, you have a dreamless ministry because you've eliminated a generation to dream through the spirit for you. Mm -hmm. We got to have churches and communities with the old and the young. It's one thing to pop on old people in churches because they don't make space for the visions of young people, but the young people can't eliminate old people who God speaks through for dreams. I don't want to be in a visionless church and I don't want to be in a dreamless church. I want to be in a holistic church mm -hmm. and we're going to create that. I want to see God's visions and I want to see God's dreams and I need both the old and the young to do that. I think that's key. Definitely would agree with that. That's a great challenge for all of us to recognize, to let that sink in. And Randy, we're going to switch into five in five. So we're going to go rapid fire. You have less than 60 seconds to answer each question. I know that's going to be tough, but question number one is what has surprised you about college students and young adults? Biggest surprise in 20 years is that they are exactly the same every year. If they don't change Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Next, whatever you want to call them, uh, at their core, while their clothing is different, their personal stage of life needs are the same. Check out James Fowler, who writes on stages of faith development. Yeah, uh, He writes a book that basically says young adult period, no matter what stage of history, the same big idea questions are there. So my messages today have different lyrics and different illustrations, but they're the same points. I'm surprised that as culture changes, core identities of young adults has not. It's good. It's amazing insight. And what, what would you say was your favorite event that you've ever done? Whatever the last one we just did. <laughs> I think uh, my favorite events are always whatever we just did. Uh, constantly driving and moving forward. Through the years, we've done great stuff, college outreaches and those kind of things. I would say if you had to put it down, my favorite event or activity we've ever done, I love Bible study. I love it when young adults get to do it. And I love it when I get to watch my young adults lead. So. My favorite event is when I'm standing against the wall and watching my team do it that, and I'm not the one doing it. That's good. All right. Question number three is what is your favorite story of life change? If you have one to share, man, I don't, you don't have five enough minutes for that. Um, I, I would have to say at this stage of life, looking back, I could tell you about Chad, who was a drug dealer in our community. And now he's a young adult leader at another church in the state. Michael and Tiffany, who got married in our ministry and 
I actually looked at Tiffany and said, are you sure you need to marry this guy? I don't think he's going to make it. And he, he's the guy who showed up with two different shoes on because he thought it was funny. He literally came to one of my services without a shirt on at one point just to make me mad. Uh, they just finished up two terms in Africa with AGWM wow. and Chi Alpha directors at a college here locally. I could tell you, I told you about Karen a few moments ago who was misfit. I could tell you about Billy. Billy's everything that's wrong with homeschool. Uh, his family didn't uh, hold him to it. He essentially never graduated fourth grade, but went through all the stuff. Uh, his At 18, he came to me and said, I'm Phil called the ministry. Now he's in our college program that we have here with our partnership with Evangel University. Three years later, he's got a 3.8 GPA studying for ministry. Um, man, I could, I could tell you about misfits who are now serving God, drug addicts who are there, um, ministries about people. And if, um, man, I, I could take, I could just pull out a list, the stripper and the guy from the air base who came to our, who came to our service and they're living together. And before it was over, both of them were saved and life transformed and changed. Uh, probably my coolest story is during one of the Gulf Wars because the air base, I was the pastor of a C-130. So the pilot uh, got to pick what played on the, on the uh, music as they were flying. And they used my podcast every week for church. And so I was the pastor for 14 airmen of a C-130 and all their missions. And so I got to meet, most of them I never met before. Got to meet them all when they came back after the war. That was a big deal. So I could tell you all kinds of cool stories. That's brilliant. All right, question four. It's amazing. And you have the gift of stick with itness. Um, Angela Duckworth, in her book called Grit, she talks about stick with itness. And I hope that Very if cool. we're inspired by one thing, um, we'll be inspired by many. But I think if we could all just have you rub off on the stick with itness <clears throat> for us, that'd be amazing. And would you also tell us? Maybe one of the most epic failures you've ever experienced in ministry as well, Randy. So um, October 31st, several years ago, our service was on Halloween night. And I decided we would leverage young adult culture for Halloween. We're in the South still. This was quite a few years ago. And so we're still sort of hesitant with some of that. And so my leadership team said you could do it, but don't do anything that smacks of the devil or evil or Halloween because it's going to cause us problems. So we threw all our energy and effort into it. We didn't know what to call it. So this is about year or this is about movie two or three of the Harry Potter era. So we called it the party that shall not be named is what we referred to it as. <laughs> and so we had the dress, we did costumes and contests and all that. We got our whole building. The whole church building was ours that night massive it's for the largest outreach of lost young adults who've ever attended lost young adults someone some a group of men somewhere convinced women everywhere that it was okay to dress inappropriately and slutty on halloween and it was still okay and all of those women showed up to our event so because they were lost young adults when you do a dress up contest we saw more of young adults than i've ever wanted to see uh, we had just redone a whole wing of our building, and so we set up this thing where you search for money, you dig for it. There were prizes. 
we had the brilliant idea of cutting up newspaper to hide it. So when people dug through the newsprint, it got all over their hands and their shoes. So there were black newsprint handprints over the entire facility at First Assembly. Cost about $14,000 to fix that. Uh, there was, uh, we created a maze and my pastor's son decided to put a fog machine in the maze, which was great. It was awesome. He could just, whatever, well, he closed the door on it. So, but he forgot to turn the fog machine off at like three o'clock. So just as Pastor Rod Loy and his wife were showing up, the fire alarms went off and smoke started pouring out of a hole of the building. It was just the fog machine because it had been generating fog. It was like the Holy of Holies in there for five hours. And um, yeah, and so when it was over, uh, one of my volunteers who was new, had she had brought a bunch of Halloween stuff from, from church, from her house to set up. And so she decorated one of the entrances the night before for us, and it was filled with skeletons and jack-o'-lanterns and snakes and the devil. I didn't personally inspect it before I left that night. Guess what entrance our older, younger, our old teenagers <laughs> that morning on Saturday morning for a, uh, a trip for a pumpkin patch festival? They all gathered around the devil and the skeleton. And I received a phone call from my pastor asking me to come up. We still refer to that as the party that shall not be named. So, <laughs> oh God! There are several tidbits the listener can take from that of what maybe not to do or what to think through. <laughs> so we learn from other people's mistakes. There are no learners and slow learners. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, the very last question. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Uh, one of my favorite Bible verses in all of Scripture, Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul uh, writes the whole book of Colossians, and he finishes it. And all of a sudden, it's like he remembers at the last minute, and he adds this one verse. It says, tell Archippus to finish the work that God had called them to. Hmm. And that's uh, we know Archippus from Romans, and another place he's called Paul's fellow soldier. And um, I think Paul, I don't know what was going on in Archippus's life, we don't know. Uh, but we know this, that the Holy Spirit felt like he needed to know through Paul to finish the work. Um, I don't know if he was felt like giving up. I don't know if he felt like quitting. I don't know if somebody was fighting him. But whatever it was, this fellow soldier of Paul needed to be reminded to finish the work. Um, and I, I would say to you guys listening to this, whether you are in a church where you're an unpaid young adult Sunday school teacher or a small group leader, or you are the child of the pastor, your, your parent, your dad, or your mom assigns you the task of young adults, whether you were ministering at a need base because you saw a need and you felt the role, or you are a full-time staff member, or you are a youth pastor who got saddled with young adults because your pastor went to a conference and found out that's what needed to happen. Whatever your assignment is, I think the Lord would tell you, finish the work. Uh, don't give up. Don't quit. Uh, I don't care what comes against you or what fights you. It's good. Don't quit. It's good. 
because someday you'll be on a podcast and you'll talk about Chad and Michael and Tiffany and Micah and Karen and Chris and Kevin. That's good. And I would encourage you, don't stop. Don't quit. Keep running. Oh, man, Randy, you're making me choke up and get emotional. The stakes are sky high and we can't give up. We can't give in. And um, I know you, with all of your heart, believe in every listener. And the same thing for us. I was just journaling this morning as we record this, just praying for every person that would come across this podcast and that they would find the hope, the renewal, the encouragement, the, mm. the charge to stick with it that they need. And so, Randy, thank you so much for your time for your encouragement, for a great conversation today, and just for joining us. You guys can find out more about Pastor Randy Jumper, Next Young Adults, and First New Little Rock, Arkansas Church. Um, when you connect with us on our website, as well as the show notes that he mentioned, there's going to be an email that he sends us of maybe how he'd start a young adult ministry today. So when you visit our website, youngadults.today, as well as our social media across all platforms is youngadults.today. So until next time, this is Josiah and Micah hosting Young Adult Stop today with Randy Jumper, encouraging you to stick with it, keep going, don't give up. God's with you, and we're cheering you on. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.